Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, and Warhammer 40,000 The Valentine Heresy, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases at staggered intervals, Curse Code and Crown, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the Bad Movie Review Show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch dice today. Hello, Mythos Mystery friends. It's Ryan again during our weeks off. This is the second of our hopefully two weeks off, but we don't want to leave you without content. We don't want to leave you without spooky mysteries. And it's time for us to introduce you to another one of our shows. So instead of Mythos Mysteries this week, we are posting the pilot episode of Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy. It is a narrative show set in the tabletop RPG. It's the Genesis system, but we're playing a Dark Heresy adaptation. That's right. It's the grim darkness of the future. There is only war, but there are also comedians and improvisers playing tabletop RPGs DM'd by the fabulous Tom McGee. So if you're looking for demons and galactic spookiness, but in the future, then enjoy the Valentine Heresy. And if it's for you, please go subscribe. It's available anywhere that the Mythos Mysteries is available. If it's not your style, that's cool too. I mean, maybe you should listen to two, three, 18 more episodes, but... We'll be back to the Mythos Mysteries soon enough. We just didn't want to leave you with nothing. So please, enjoy another show we're very proud of. Welcome to the grim darkness that is the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library. And this is my report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy role-playing game. This report features Game Master Tom McGee, Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Laura Elizabeth as Lyric, and Tyler Hewitt as Alto. What heresy awaits our trio in the grim darkness of the far future? Find out now in the first episode of the Valentine Heresy, where the Emperor protects the righteous. 
and only the righteous. In the grim darkness of the future, there is only war, but there still remains a hope for all mankind. The Emperor, on his golden throne, reigns over the Imperium of Man, a psyker unknown amongst any others to come before or after, one gleaming hope for humanity against a galaxy that seeks to kill it, a galaxy of dangerous aliens, of mutant horrors, of the warp, of chaos. The one thing that can hold us all together, guide us, and bring us to salvation. The God-Emperor of Mankind. And it's his body that is torn from its throne, the last thing keeping his decaying carrion corpse alive and thrown at your feet. You watch as cables and ancient needles and machines tear his ribcage out. And as his body collapses, you hear a, a death rattle, one last gurgle from an ancient, decrepit body before the last hope of humanity is snuffed out. Before you, you see ten figures standing in shadow, each of them vaguely recognizable from uh, the mechano-arm of a, of a uh, tech priest, um, the uh, distinct outline of space marine armor, the sort of clinking fetishes of a chaos marine, the robes of a diplomat. You see these figures, and your brain struggles to understand what's happening. The Emperor on Terra has been untouchable since the Horse Heresy. His mind cast out into the warp to keep humanity together, and yet here stand these ten figures that have somehow managed to pull the last hope for humanity's survival amongst the stars out of the only thing keeping it alive. You glimpse each of them in turn. You overhear snippets of conversation. One of them seems to, to be larger than the others, speaking in, in a, a slightly more relaxed tongue. And you watch as uh, this figure sort of steps before you and you, you recognize the bulge of muscles and the, the huge teeth of an orc standing in the most holy sight of all of humanity. And you watch as this orc urinates on the corpse laying before you, laughing, saying something to the effect of, Not so holy now, is he? <laughs> you watch as they begin to examine the throne, begin to disassemble this ancient piece of technology from the dark age, lost to all living memory, as they strip it for parts, muttering of secrets and heresies. You watch this, and the world you know and everything you've been taught to believe begins to fall away as you realize that the entire universe is about to plunge into darkness. And Inquisitor Valentine, that's when you awake. You awake to a sense of rushing air across your face. The last you can remember before the horrific scene of blasphemy you just witnessed was being aboard a ship, this ship, uh, Gilead's Fist, 
en route uh, out of a sector of really no import um, on your way to report back to the Inquisition. But the odd thing about uh, Dauntless class frigates is uh, the air circulation in them has never been particularly good. So the fact that there's wind on your face is somewhat concerning. You remember a sound of, of rending metal. You remember the sound of screams. And then you remember the death of the emperor. As you struggle to gain your bearings, you realize there's wind on your face because you can see the sky. And as you begin to blink the twisted images of the warp that still threaten to shred your very sanity, you see clouds and they're moving quickly. And you breathe in through your nose and smell air, fresh air. And you realize you're falling. The ship is falling. And it can barely be called a ship anymore because all around you, pieces of the Gilead's fist are plumbing towards an unknown planet. What do you do? I look for an escape pod immediately. They, Dauntless are how big, Tom? Are these like um, size or are they bigger? They're, uh, they're smallish. Um, so bigger than, um, they're kind of on the, the scale of craft. Uh, they're kind of like second last tier. So still big enough to be a, a proper frigate, still definitely uh, has a large-ish crew. Um, you don't command your own vehicle. You're, you're kind of catching a ride. Um, and uh, as you kind of get your bearings, suddenly you can hear the alarm claxtons. Um, you see a servitor skull bounce down uh, the deck beside you, and you realize that the deck is beginning to slant. Um, even though you're kind of falling through vertical space, I want you to imagine um, a, a, the equivalent of a ship going down. So um, you're basically on a four, the ground is on a 45 degree angle. As you look around, um, you can see the hull has been shredded. Um, you can hear screams and um, las gun fire coming from kind of one of the nearby hallways. Uh, and you seem to be in kind of a um, almost a meeting room. Uh, you recognize it as uh, where you held uh, a couple of uh, briefings with uh, uh, some of the command crew just to, to inform them of, of your purpose and, you know, check your credentials and all that. Um, looking around, um, you see a, a few bodies. Um, you can see one um, looks like a, a lieutenant that you'd uh, had lunch with a couple times. Um, caught halfway in and out of the ship um, on a rent piece of metal, his body kind of fluttering in the wind as uh, as the ship begins to plummet. Um, from your remembering of the uh, the ship, um, the escape pods would be uh, fairly close by, uh, given that um, you're kind of near where the command crew hangs out. Um, but, um, well, I mean, this is more a question for you than for me. How aware is Valentine of, of his surroundings on a ship, do you think? probably aware of his surroundings functionally at most times. I mean, from a mechanical perspective, like he's got very, very high perception. His whole thing mm. is to keep track of, but I feel like he doesn't know, like other than the broad strokes of how ships work, he'd know the things he would need to know, which is like, where are the captain's quarters? Where's his way out? Where are the ways yep. between the people you need to talk to? That's probably it. Okay, cool. Um, so you begin to struggle to your feet, uh, which is difficult given again, the, um, the, the incline and also um, the, uh, the sort of, um, uh, lower sea chaos uh, occurring around you. Um, what do you look like? So uh, Inquisitor Valentine, uh, his name is Inquisitor Lucius Valentine. Uh, he is about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's tall, he's lean. He's probably close to like 
he looks late twenties, early thirties. He's probably a little bit older. Like he'd have treatments cause they'd be delaying age. Cause if he's an inquisitor, they'd want to keep him alive. He's probably closer to like 40, 45, but still pretty youthful, pretty spry. Um, he looks like if you're to take John Krasinski and add 15% Stephen Merchant, like just, so there's a little bit of like chipper British man inside a John Krasinski type. Um, he's dressed like an Imperial commissar. So like a long black leather coat. It's very severe looking. He's got an armored breastplate that's got like the Imperial Aquila, which is like a two-headed eagle in gold across the front of it. Uh, guns on his hips. He's got a chain sword. Uh, and he wears like a military kind of like peaked cap mm-hmm. that doesn't have, uh, th- th- it has, I think, like the Inquisition eye on it. So he can wear that, but if he takes it off, no one knows that he is Inquisition kind of thing. Uh Probably the most defining thing about him, other than that uniform, which is very recognizable for anyone kind of in military uh, terms in, in the Astra Militarum, is he his eyes are bionic. If you look at them, they're actually steel, and then it's emerald around the irises. And depending on where the light catches him, it's just got that, like, when you see a dog at night with the light reflecting in the eyes, they're there. And then there's scar tissue that goes basically in almost a full circle around his head, over the nose, to the metal eyes, and around to his ears, which it's subtler to see, but his ears are also just steel mesh inside. He also has bionic ears, uh, and it breaks the hairline around his head. So the, when the cap's on, it can like hide the sides of it, mm-hmm. but you can't miss the the kind of side scarring. He tends towards uh, like sunshades when he's meeting new people or wanting to stay inconspicuous, just because the eyes are so finely done that it's very clear he's very important. Mm. Whereas sunshades can help him blend in gotcha. when necessary. Okay, so with that in mind, then I think um, we're going to go ahead and say it's pretty easy for you to find a skate pod because I think if um, uh, being uh, someone who who spends a lot of time kind of observing your surroundings, um, that's like a thing you would notice. Like uh, my dad worked in crisis consulting for a long time, and like any airplane he's ever been on, he counts the seats uh, to the exit, and it's just a thing he naturally does. Mm. Um, so I feel like it's that kind of mentality um so you begin to um kind of like force your way and it very much is like you can feel the ship is now um it's becoming debris like the actual superstructure is beginning to implode um as you know uh the uh the gothic fleet is not meant for atmosphere um that's really not their their deal uh so this is rapidly becoming like um the world's worst drop pod um but uh, no one in it's wearing armor. So it's going to be a very squishy drop pod. Um, you begin to kind of like claw your way up the deck uh, as, as the ship begins to fall around you. Um, and um, ahead, um, as you kind of uh, reach the corridor that has the pods, um, you see uh, just a couple of uh, sort of uh, Navy troopers um, get tossed um, full on uh, up against the pod wall. Uh, you hear a sickening crunch as one of them just b- fully breaks against it. Um, uh, the other one, um, she gets kind of gets to her knee and just starts like offloading with a, um, a las rifle um, or las gun, I suppose, down the hall. And um, out of the the sort of darkness uh, comes a, a twisting horror um, that at one point uh, probably had some some amount of humanity, but uh, the the warp has has affected it uh, in the ways that. Uh, the warp's known to do. Um, so this abomination begins clawing its way um, towards uh, the Navy trooper who is is opening fire. What do you do? 
Okay. Um, is it steep enough that I can stand, Tom, or am I crawling? Uh, it's you're you're standing, but it's very much like you know walking up a stupid hill. Yeah, um, I think he he would reach up. He's got a necklace uh, that hangs on like a pretty like a very sturdy chain around his neck, and at the end is kind of a, a symbol of the Inquisition with like a red ruby in the center. Uh, and he would just press the ruby, and then around him a refractor field would spin into place, which is like a, a personal force field that shimmers a little bit in the air around him. And I think he would just draw his bolt pistol and say, hey, well, the emperor loves to put challenges in front of us, doesn't he? Uh, and then he would just raise his bolt pistol uh, and chainsaw it in the other hand, and then he'd just kind of start shooting towards it. If it's between him and the pod, then game on. Meanwhile, um, uh, Laura and Tyler, uh, the two of you are... Um, on paper, incredibly lucky people in the the Imperium. Um, as humanity is stretched across the stars, um, all manner of habitation has begun. Um, some is very uh, classy, uh, very plush, admittedly still in a grim, dark way, so everything's still pointing their skulls everywhere, but like mm. plush skulls, and the points are <laughs> yeah. extra sharp. Um and there are some tremendous cesspools, the uh, the death worlds, uh, the, the places where it's it's you know you versus a jungle full of lossal raptors, uh, and that's just a day um, for you. Um, so the two of you are very lucky um, because you have grown up in one of humanity's greatest endeavors, one of humanity's greatest hopes. You have grown up in Galen's glory. Uh, the first, and to your knowledge, only dome city uh, in the sector. Um, so Galen's Glory is a massive, massive, massive reinforced glass dome um, that uh, essentially from space uh, almost looks like a blister on uh, the surface of the planet. Um, it is... Um, think uh, just as kind of a general visual reference for for like nice things in the 40k universe um, tend to be very uh, gilt gold um, uh, bronze brass very um, steampunk almost um, but like the like proper ugly steampunk involves a lot of oil and grease and everything's kind of gross mm -hmm. um, so don't think like beautiful glass dome think like grungy ass um like um, I'm, I, the the image I have in my head is kind of like a Victorian greenhouse. So just mm. like they mm. tried to make it nice, but there's just so much shit in the air that it doesn't. Is it work. like a fish tank that hasn't been cleaned? Yeah, kind of, yeah. kind of. Um, uh, algae. It would be honestly. It would be like if um, uh, if you took like the Rapture Dome from Bioshock and had it sort of topside in a. Um, uh, I'm going to say it's um, kind of like a, a Badlands desert um, type planet, uh, except for this blister. Hmm. So um, inside Galen's glory, um, in theory, it was supposed to be a habit, like a habitat controlled, climate controlled dome um, and a chance for humanity to reclaim uh, a little bit of the, uh, the luxury and um, uh, a little bit of sort of the posh lifestyle that existed uh, back in the dark age of technology that has since been lost. Um, but as with most of humanity's uh, grander endeavors in, in this, this grim dark universe of ours, 
uh, it has truly gone to shit. Um, and what was built with the best of intentions um, has now become a cesspool. But on paper, you are very, very lucky. Um, because who wouldn't want to live in humanity's first climate-controlled dome in a generation? Um, inside Galen's glory is a hive city. So the hive cities of the 40K universe are essentially um, uh, urban sprawl, but if it happened vertically. So there was a city. We decided to put some stuff on top of it. We're kind of running out of room. You know what? Fuck it. We'll just add a little bit more on top. You know what? I'm kind of rich. I bet I can build something on top of that previous thing. But, oh, you know what? The bottom's getting a bit loose now. You know, just dump a bunch of metal down there. It's fine. And over the span of generations, slowly, uh, the equivalent of a metal anthill begins to form. Um, and uh, in a, uh, an alarmingly literal visual metaphor um, for how capitalism grinds people down, um, there are some real shady floors to this, this hive. Um, and while the people up top are still able to like vaguely convince themselves that they're living in this luxury dome, everyone down below knows the truth. And the truth is that Galen's glory is a fucking death pit, just like everywhere else in the goddamn galaxy. And if there's one person who knows that, it's you, Lyric. Um, you know this better than almost anyone. Uh, you spent your whole life in this fucking dome and in this fucking hive. And, well, um, you've, uh, you've heard tell and seen a couple of uh, sort of strange oddities uh, from the nightmares that you are, are told live outside the dome in the wastelands. Uh, you're well aware that inside isn't much safer. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's more dangerous because at least out there, you know that you're low on the food chain. Whereas in here, everyone seems to convince themselves that they're somewhere further up than they actually are. Um, so Lyric, you and your younger brother have been surviving um, in Galen's glory um, for years now, uh, for as long as you can remember. Uh, you had parents at some point, but everyone had parents at some point doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, what, what matters is uh, you got tough and you got tough fast and you got tough. So he didn't have to. Uh, and well, he still has to um, survive uh, in the lower levels with you. Uh, you've managed to spare him from some of the true horrors uh, of, of living down here. Um, Lyric, what do you look like? Um, so I'm, I basically look like if Sinead O'Connor got in like daily fights. So I'm kind of like, so Sinead medium, yeah, yeah. Um, basically like, like, um, kind of medium build, but athletic. Um, my head is just like buzzed my hair. Um, I wear tactical, uh, clothing like all my clothing is tactical um it's kind of like a deep crimson red with like kind of silver and gray buckles like gray combat boots um and uh i kind of have like you can see scars from like fights that i've had like all my my face and arms and i always have a bruise on me somewhere um but that's just kind of the nature of where we live gotcha um, so, um, you're in a rare position, um, today of actually having a not terrible day, which for you, Lyric is kind of like the best day that could happen. Um, yeah. your most recent job, um, was for a, uh, a, a, one of the gangs that you, um, 
sort of intellectually and ethically don't love. Um, there's uh, they're called the Nashers because um, they they file their teeth hmm. um, to points. Um, a lot of people on the street um, in the lower levels would say that there are rumors uh, about them being cannibals. Um, it's you are fully aware that these are not rumors, but like very, very much confirmed facts. Yeah. Um, but uh, despite that uh, unfortunate oddity, um, they are uh, actually pretty solid when it comes to making sure you get paid on time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you recently uh, finished a job with the Nashers. Um, as you can imagine, for, for people who file their teeth and really that's their thing, uh, dental care is, is actually a high concern. Uh, so it was a, a strange job, but a lucrative one um, where you managed to... Um, uh, hijack a uh, shipment of um, what would essentially be like a bleaching agent um, um, hmm. for teeth um, that also has some kind of restorative properties, uh, a little bit like fluoride, um, but like grimdark fluoride. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. Fluoricide. <laughs> uh, you managed to, to hijack. Crest uh, blood strips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just uh, the, the toothpaste is named the same way they name paints. Um, do you want your mouth to be blood fresh? It's like, yeah, I flossed. It's blood fresh. Um, so um, you managed to uh, hijack a shipment of fluoricide, and um, they were super happy, and their party was uh, alarmingly demure for a, a group of uh, cannibalistic murderers where they were all just, like, dipping their teeth in a cup and just, like, like we can't eat for a few hours. Here's your body. Um so despite the, the, the kind of uncomfortable company, um, for once you actually have uh, sort of a, a, a fistful of, of credits. Um, so the uh, region um, that you and your brother live in is um, uh, sort of lovingly known as the glory hole um, because <laughs> there's a certain tone that comes with living in somewhere that is still advertised on almost every corner, particularly in these lower levels as paradise. So you are constantly inundated with fucking chippy, cheerful, like, you know, welcome to Galen's glory posters just everywhere. And they're all defaced and old, um, but built of, uh, of sturdy stuff. So, um, it's it's a little bit like um, if you like if the apocalypse happened and you were forced to live in Disneyland, like it's just it's it's kind of infuriating um, how naive these people were to think that this this would work out. I, um, I would definitely like I think a long time ago, like I stopped like being actively like mad at that stuff. Oh, and it's yeah. more like I pass it by and we'll just probably like I can like crack a sign with like the butt of my gun casually as I pass. Sure. And I think that's pretty common down here because, again, like it's there's so few options um, that you're just that's kind of all there is. Like it, it's not like, oh, the, I remember when this place was nice and now it's not. It's just it's always been a shithole and it continues to be. Um, but for someone who who has never experienced uh, any form of luxury in her life, um, the idea of people coming particularly to a planet that is actively and aggressively trying to murder you if you're outside the dome. High radiation levels, bad solar shielding. Like, the only reason anyone is alive on this planet is because of this dome. So, like, fuck you. This was a dumb place to live. It's like all the people who built, like, mega mansions on the <laughs> side of, like, a slowly eroding cliff. And we're like, my mansion went over the cliff. And everyone's like, that's how cliffs work. <laughs> like, 
what the fuck you thought was going to happen? Um, <clears throat> but as I said, uh, you have some money in hand today. Um, and uh, that means that um, you're going to be able to surprise your brother, uh, which is something that brings you uh, like you, you have a difficult time enjoying things outside of fights. Um, but one of the things you enjoy is uh, having never really had having only had one protector really in your life, um, but even she was like training you how to fight and murder, um, being able to kind of provide for someone and then also provide something that isn't just a bare essential on top of it is uh, a rare, that's as close to luxury as I think you can get uh, in this this yeah. kind of hellscape. So um, with your knuckles still hurting um, from uh, the guard whose jaw you broke, um, but it's kind of a, a comfortable throb because I mean, like as any professional fighter does, like your your hands are are tough now. They're used to mm. they're used to punching, um, so it's a it's a comfortable throb. Um, you walk into a um, uh, sort of like a, almost like a canteen bodega kind of joint um, that okay. is sort of a combination general store um, and uh, sort of watering hole. Um, Ryan, what is the name of this bar? Uh, Blanc's Cabin. Uh, so you walk into Blanc's Cabin, <laughs> and um, as uh, as you do, you uh, you tap the uh, the helmet um, that's uh, just above the door. Uh, it is an ancient, ancient Space Marine helmet um, that mm. uh, has been uh, lovingly dubbed Blanc. Um, because as, uh, as the, the urban legend goes, that's the sound his head made when I bashed it off the ground. Um, space Marines are essentially legend at this, at this point. You've never seen one. Oh God, no. Um, despite what, uh, all the Warhammer promotional material would have you believe they're not a common sight. <laughs> Unlike, uh, all my friends in high school who all had them, including me. Um, so, uh, think like in the way that Star Wars, like people like know of Darth Vader, but like no one sees Darth Vader. It's like that, but on a really, really grand scale, there's no, there's no reason to believe in, in these, these sort of mythical things. And to you, it just looks like a, like a fancy person helmet (laughs) for lack of of a better term does look functional and looks like high tech and stuff. But, um, I get the sense you don't really trust technology too, too far, which makes sense given that you're living in like the death throes of a cesspool. Yeah. No, I get that people use it and it's yeah. fine, but it doesn't do me any fucking good. No, no. Um, so you, you tap Blanc on the way in um, and uh, <laughs> you look around and there's sort of the, uh, the usual assortment of, of ne'er-do-wells. Um, uh, this, uh, the kind of aesthetic of this place is like if, uh, if a Blade Runner city existed in Mad Max. Um, so outside the dome is like very Mad Max. Inside the dome, okay. it's not quite a Thunderdome, but you know, you get it. Um, but like it's uh, inside the dome is a more civilized version of the Mad Max aesthetic, uh, but it is still that kind of rough and tumble. We've repurposed everything vibe. And um, despite the the air controls, everything's just always a little bit dusty. Like there's just a bit of sand kind of everywhere at all times. Um, what you know kind of from um, what uh, Kel taught you um, back when she was still kicking 
uh, is that um, the uh, all of the environmental controls um, degraded years ago. And basically, mm-hmm. uh, nothing's being filtered anymore. It's just pumping out whatever was in the filter. So um, the air is always kind of thick with um, um, both heat and also just a, a sense of um, staleness. Um, and uh, it's uh, okay. it means that, yeah, basically, like, it's just, just dirt and skin cells as far as the eye can see. Right. Or lips can taste. Um, oh. So you walk into Blanc's and um, you you have a goal. And your goal is to find something uh, your brother would like. Um, because he was uh, a little bit uh, put out that he didn't get to go on this particular mission with you. Um, but uh, to your mind, he's uh, there are certain crews that you're very happy to have him on board with. But like... Um, he actually like he he has a very very specific skill set that's very good, but completely useless to a gang like the Nashers, who are real smash and grab, um, stick around and fight some people types. Um, whereas uh, his specialties lie more so in the I'll get you out of there and then yeah. disappear um, kind of tactics. So it's kind of an I'm sorry, but also kind of for you a I got this. Um, what do you think you're going to try and get him? Um, I'd really love to see if there's like, I think I want to get him like something, something that will entertain him. Like if there's, uh, any sort of like new game, I think we have like, like super shitty kind of like consoles, Mm. but like nothing, I mean, nothing fancy, but like, if there's anything new, I can get him like. Because Jesus Christ, he needs some stimulation in his life. Um, okay, so um, you know that there is a um, a hacker, um, and again, like uh, I really can't stress enough how uh, kind of fucked the state of technology is in the the forty k universe. Um, so much knowledge has been lost. Um, that uh, it's a lot of kind of um, repurposing, um, similar to uh, kind of how Fallout, uh, the Fallout games deal with technology, where it's like there's just a lot of stuff and people don't necessarily know what it was for, yeah. but it could be for this. Um, and the interesting thing about um, Galen's Glory is there was a lot of incredibly kind of uh, avant-garde and edgy tech here back when it, it started, and there still is in the upper upper levels. Mm-hmm. Um but it also means that you occasionally find gearheads who are, are good at this sort of stuff. So um, you find um, your old friend Taz, um, who is a uh, just a, a proper uh, meat slab of a human, um, <laughs> but um, has incredibly, incredibly delicate hands. So think like um, he is uh, – Fuck, I'm trying to think what else this guy's been in. He was like the uh, – he was one of the lieutenants on um, Sons of Anarchy, just like a big bear of a guy, big fuzzy beard, um, just like a, a barrel of a man, um, but incredibly almost um, like model level hands, just these incredibly like soft and delicate hands. Um, and you see him hunched as he always is over a circuit board and he's using those hands – um, in a way that you've uh, you've always kind of envied because you've always been a bit more brute forcey, and yeah. the precision with which he tries to rework technology has always been been kind of fascinating to you. Um, and uh, he was expecting you because I think you, you you put this order in a while ago, um, 
and uh, he's been building a, a rudimentary uh, flight simulator because um, you know hey. that your your brother has uh, is always uh, dreamt of of like he loves going fast. So if he could go fast and up, like that's that's the <laughs> fucking dream. <laughs> yeah. um, and both of you in in your, I think probably him out loud and more you internally. The idea of getting off this fucking planet. Um, uh, the planet of Vermeer has always been very, very high on your list. Yeah. But um, it's like uh, wishing to win the lottery. It's it's of no value to you because you can't affect it. Um, so when I say a rudimentary flight simulator, I'm talking like some Pong-ass shit. Like it is <laughs> full-on like black and green screen. I imagine it like, like block out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, like it, kind it, of like like super like yeah like wires. Oh, kind of wire yeah. It, it's basically yeah, it. and it, it's well, and it's it's like bare. It's not really three D. It's kind of two D, <laughs> but with that like way that people, admittedly, very brilliantly found to break old text like to make Fox it, on Super Nintendo kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, just like interesting ways, or even earlier, like on Atari and stuff. Just an interesting way to kind of uh, break it. Yeah. So pretty rudimentary, but you know, it it'll. Um, It'll probably blow his mind. Um, so uh, uh, Taz uh, just looks up and says, uh, "Oh, Eric! Well, oh, you're back. <laughs> uh, they take any bites out of you, or uh, they get their meal elsewhere today?" Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Tyler Hewitt, just coming at you with a little special offer for you. You know, if you're a fan of uh, what we're doing here on the show, then we have, to borrow a phrase from Jerry Holkins, a patron-oriented experience tailored just for you. If you go to patreon.com slash dice you can sign up and get a bunch of special features that we're not really going to make available to anyone else, so do that now. Well, not right now, but, you know. Oh, because they're cannibals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that was the joke. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Typical lyric. All right, well, listen, I uh, hope the kid likes this. It's, uh, it's a bit wonky. Sometimes you have to blow in it uh, to make the game work. It's a, it's a reference for people who were born in the 80s. Um, so, uh, the, the yeah. 4,600... There are 46,000. Yes, in, in Galen years. Um, what year is this? <laughs> um, I think it's, they've just redone the calendar, so I don't fucking know. But uh, you're in the 41st millennium. It's grimdark. Okay. Um, and I think uh, there is a concept called the Galen calendar, which is just like mm. people had this idea that maybe they could just start the calendar at zero when they started. Um, nice. So uh, you are in uh, the uh, <laughs> you're in the Galen 90s. Um, so it's, uh, we're saying it's, um, uh, 398. Um, so the, the colony has been alive for, for about 300 years. Um, say Tom nerd Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Get in here. But when it comes to timeline, are we pre the latest edition of 40 K with the Indominus crusade? Right. Fucking now, baby. Indominus is in full. Gilliman's alive. Gilliman's alive. Uh, the fucking, um, whatever the hell that tear is. That's ripping oh, yeah. up right galaxy. through the middle of the galaxy. It's a train wreck. Rourke's smile, I believe is the only one I can remember offhand because blah. Um, but yes, no, uh, we're, we're, we're right up to date. Um, because I thought that would be the most interesting. Um, great. So uh, I'm sorry, 390s is not nearly long enough for a hive city to exist. So we'll just say that you're calling it the 90s. Um, there's a more complicated calendar system. Um, 
I was gonna say three ninety just depends on how fast they go around the sun. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's a valid point. That's a very valid point, Ryan. Thank you. So yes, three ninety, uh, three ninety eight, but it's 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 been a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, as a general rule, almost everything in the Imperium is like super old, even the new stuff. So just add whatever I say, just add a bunch of fucking years onto it. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Love so um, here's my, my question to you, Laura. Um, yeah. You actually find yourself with, uh, with a bit more cash in hand than you I- I expected, um, possibly because they felt bad they couldn't share their meal and or tooth whitening with you. Um, do you... Uh, pay Taz exactly how much you owe him? Do you pay him more or do you try and talk him down? I pay him exactly what I owe him because it's the price that we agreed upon when we last spoke. Good. And he will get no more, no less. Cool. He also doesn't know you get a tip. Uh, so he's just like, this is acceptable. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and uh, he uh, says, you know, uh, one of these days, uh, you got to figure out something for you, huh? What do you mean? Oh, just, I mean, you know, give it a think. Maybe one day I can just make something for you. Okay, like be something what? you want. I don't know. You tell me. Maybe I can, I don't know, up the voltage on your electro whip. That seems to be a thing you like. Holy shit. What, can you do that now? <laughs> and he holds up the exact amount you just paid him. He's like, when you've got this much again, I sure shit can. And I literally pull out the exact same amount. <laughs> <laughs> because I have it on me. Because I literally just came from those stupid cannibals. Um, I'm thinking you spent that amount to get this, this thing. Money is oh, hard fuck. to come by in your world. Uh, you're not, you're not walking around with, uh, anyone who walks around with money down here is basically just like, hi, I'm a side quest to help you get gold. Okay. No, right. Yeah, fine. I'll, I'm going to go do another fucking job and I'll be back. So be ready. And he just like wiggles his fingers and he's like, what the fuck else do you think I do? I assume you get ready. That that is exactly what I was alluding to. Yes. Uh, yeah. No. You're you're great. This is this is why I keep coming back to you. Well, thanks, lyric. That might be the nicest thing you've ever said to me. And with that, um, you head out of uh, Blanc's cabin, uh, and you start making your way home. Uh, speaking of home, uh, Tyler, um, you have had to amuse yourself or keep yourself busy. Uh, for the past couple of days, knowing that uh, yet again, Lyric has cut you out of a plan. Um, and, well, admittedly, you're not quite sure how you could have been useful. You're pretty sure you could have been useful. Definitely. Uh, who are you and what do you look like? And more importantly, um, what are you doing as you're stuck home alone? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm Lyric's younger brother, Alto. Uh, and I um, have been keeping myself busy. Um, by uh, <clears throat> I'll describe what I look like first. Um, uh, Alto's a, a young guy. He's like early twenties, um, and uh, he looks. He has the same kind of physique as um, like Tom Holland when he's in like his like Spider-Man kind of uh, mode. So he's he's like a got a compact, like not bulky at all, short guy kind of body. Um, he uh, he has um, a metal plate. Um, uh, like shaped to the back of his head. Um, and uh, while he does look quite uh, slim and small, um, he wears a, um, uh, a night cloak, um, which is clearly too big for him. It's definitely made for like an adult person, but he wears it. Um, and he has a, um, 
uh, I want to get the pronunciation right here. He has a utility uh, mechadendrite um, that he wears as like a backpack underneath this cloak. So when he's wearing it all, he looks a little bit bigger. He looks like a hunchback, basically. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's uh, basically, and so what he's actually doing is without the cloak, he's got the manipulator arm uh, on, on his back, and he's basically uh, bouncing a ball uh, against the wall and trying to catch it with this utility mechadendrite mm. just to make sure that he's got... Um, good reflexes within that, like the actuators are responding uh, and stuff like that. And if he's like not able to catch it, he'll like take it off and tinker with it some more. Cool. Um, what do you think um, the kind of like homestead that you and um, uh, Lyric share, homestead's the wrong term, but um, what, what's the, like, <laughs> you have a farm in this weird tower of urban <laughs> sprawl. Um, what's uh, what's your, your kind of like apartment situation? Uh, it is basically a hole in the wall uh, with um, some emergency exits kind of already taken care of in case we need to bolt uh, at any given time. Um, there's very little in the way of personal effects here. Um, basically nothing that can't just be thrown into a bag um, and carried out immediately. Uh, so it's basically, um, so it's, it's like a small, <laughs> excuse me, it's an extremely small unit. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, the back wall has been blasted out and then covered, um, mm. with like, uh, uh <coughs> excuse me, uh, with maybe, um, I think just like a, a big, like, like blanket, just like draped over the wall with like a design on it. So it kind of looks like a really shitty tapestry, but it's just sure. covering, it's just covering like an opening that we can run out when we need to. Um, it's got like two, uh, they're basically cots, um, for us to sleep on, uh, and not much else. There's a table with a lamp, um, uh, and there's clearly like some equipment on there, like, like, uh, ammunition and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, but I'm basically, uh, just like leaned up against the, like tilting the chair back, bouncing this ball ac across the room. Uh, because it's so narrow and small and trying to catch it with my uh, mechadendrite uh, arm. Cool. Um, so as you toss the ball um, for the umpteenth time, because you stopped counting, also it's hard to count when you're mostly worried about calibration on like a piece of tech you've kind of had to build yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you go to catch it and uh, you miss, but it's the damnedest thing because like you know – the arm, like this, this, a bunch of these times it's been because your calibration's been off. This time your calibration was definitely on. Um, and uh, it takes you sort of a moment um, to realize why. Um, and when the realization hits you, uh, you kind of feel your stomach drop um, because you realize the wall is shaking. Um, and so violently that uh, the ball kind of bounced off it at a different trajectory. Um, and then the floor begins to rumble, uh, and that's when you hear the first explosion. Uh, so as you kind of rush to the, um, the sort of, uh, entrance way and kind of like, I don't imagine it's a proper door. It's probably like a, something you've, you've wedged in there. Um, you pull it aside, um, and you see a cathedral falling from the sky. Um, you see massive Shit. chunks of Gothic architecture, and metal, and it takes your mind a moment uh, to realize that this is in fact a ship um, and not architecture. Um, and the shaking 
is from the first impact against the dome. Um, the dome has been a constant in your existence uh, since you were born. It's you've certainly dreamt of of flight and of of space, um, but the dome is the only sky you've ever really known. It was never anything but a given, um, and that's why when the the next piece of debris that hits it shatters a chunk of it, uh, you realize that your whole world is quite literally about to fall apart. Um, and as the first kind of blast of fresh air that you've ever smelt reaches your nose, um, you think you can hear roars in the distance um, as all the things that the dome has kept away begin to close in around it. Um, as the, the chunks of this ship continue to plummet, um, you see more and more cracks. But above it, there's something dark. Um, and as you as your eyes kind of adjust, um, you realize that it's the um, sort of the the main body of the ship, um, and it is so large that it blots out most of the sky, uh, and it is plummeting directly for the dome. Your first thought is to Lyric, um, who is currently on her way back. What do you do? Um, I think about Lyric, and then the training that she and Cal have both like hammered into me of, okay, this place is compromised. We have to go to our secondary location, grab your go bag and go. So I throw on my night cloak, I grab my go bag and I'm out through the hole in the wall uh, behind our fucking rinky dink little apartment that we've got here. Uh, and I'm on my way to, um, uh, to a, uh, a, We'll say um, like Talking a up. like a hovel. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. I was just say uh, like a hovel under like a, a bridge network. Um, sure. So um, I'm going to say this is um, Kel's bolt hole. Um, Kel, of course, being the uh, the woman who essentially raised you, um, a uh, sort of a, a hardened bounty hunter. Um, who had a number of, of kind of these these bolt holes throughout the city. And basically the idea was if anything goes wrong, you go to the first one. If things are really bad, you go to the second one. And if things go completely pear-shaped, there's like a third one you don't talk about. Um, but she was so paranoid that she, even though she, she loved and cared for both of you very much, she still never gave you the location of that third hole. Um, but she did tell you basically um, – that if things went really, really hairy, get to this, this hovel in the underpass and that uh, there'd be more instructions there. The sense you always got from her was that as a woman who very rarely took risks, well, took a lot of professional risks, but did everything she could to mitigate them, um, she always seemed to hint that she had a way out um, of the city, which seems insane because no one leaves the city. But... Um, you do remember her showing um, Lyric um, a sort of long, um, pale, pinkish, um, three-jointed finger once um, that uh, she claimed to have gotten from a hunt uh, outside the dome. Um, so you kind of feel like, in addition to it being a regrouping point, your only way out of here might be that. Okay. Um, so you begin to run there. Um, Lyric, do you go back to the apartment or do you go to the bolt hole? Um, 
I have spent so much time training Alto um, to make sure that um, what he what he does in case of an emergency are just like complete second nature that I have to trust that he's followed that. So I, I have to go to, to the bolt hole where I trust he'll be. Okay. Um, so you begin to rush your way there. Um, and that's roughly when the screams begin. Uh, meanwhile, um, Inquisitor Valentine, um, you are, uh, you feel your, uh, bolt pistol, um, click dry, uh, having now dropped several of these, uh, former crewmen, um, and you realize, uh, as you kind of observe the, uh, the corridors that they're, they're spilling out of that, um, the very ship itself seems to be, uh, in some ways twisted and, and touched by chaos, um, for you, every time you close your eyes, you see these figures, these ten figures around the Golden Throne. Um, you hear the sickening squelch of the Emperor's body hitting the ground in front of you, uh, which is truly the most outrageous, like, almost comically blasphemous thing you can think of. Like, it's so far outside the realm of what even people try, like, you know, kids back when you were at the Academy trying to outdo each other with like you know the kinds of things bored children do um this is so far beyond the pale that that every having to see that every time you close your eyes is is a true uh, a true burden and you can feel your your very sanity kind of bouncing on the precipice um you can hear more shouts coming from uh kind of further down the corridor but you have managed to clear your way uh to the escape pods there's now kind of a um uh, for lack of a better term, a trench of dead um, uh, sort of mutants um, around you. Um, the crew member you saved, uh, she's badly injured, um, but is still conscious. Um, meanwhile, you can feel, again, the ship is 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 screaming at this point. Uh, the metal is, is doing that horrible sound that heavy metal tearing does that is, again, just a highly unnatural... Sound and um, whenever you've looked down, uh, you've seen what what almost looks like a mirage, a, sort of a, a glimmering um, surface beneath you. But whatever it is, it's coming up damn fast. So my question to you is: Do you go and attempt to save the rest of the crew? Do you grab this crew member and hop in, or do you just hop in the pod? I'll grab this crew member and hop in. Uh, he'd look after himself and he'd do what he's supposed to, but he'd like grit his teeth, kind of grab her by the collar if she's down and drag her into the pod. Just along the way, trying to hang on to his sanity, kind of staring at me like, it's a, it's a great day, great day for the Emperor, great day. And then he'd just turn around and whistle. Uh, and that skull that was on the floor that we heard hit earlier just zips around the corner flying. And he's like, oh, good, Eugene, inside, inside. Uh, and, and Eugene, the, the loud hailer skull, will also fly into the pod. <laughs> Uh, and then the moment everybody's in, help figure out uh, however these eject and sure. So the um, uh, the navy um, officer um, just like puts her hand up. She's like, "Wait!" And this is what? Um, and uh, you see her look back, um, and then she just pulls out her her dagger and jams it into a tentacle that was starting to kind of like slink around the edge of the door. Um, and it kind of like does that weird like. I don't know why tentacles always scream in movies, but it's like, Aah! and it gets like pulled out with, with her dagger. And she's like, <laughs> didn't have a ticket. Uh, and she slams the door. Um, and then she just points, uh, points at a button um, and passes out. Great. Uh, I'm going to hit the button first. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And then how long do I think I have till impact? Basically, if he thinks he could strap both of them in, he'd do it. But if he can only strap one person in, he'd strap himself in. Realistically, like, you're falling pretty fast. Also, you're in an escape pod meant for space. Strapping himself in. Yes. Great. Um, So uh, you strap yourself in. Uh, Do you grab Eugene or is is you just trust that he'll kind of um, bumble around in the, uh, the cabin? I think I'd probably grab him. Like, he'd fly around, but it's going to be a collision. So if I could, like, pin him in webbing, there's probably webbing for, yeah, like, the yeah, loose yeah. stuff where I jam him in. And then I'd probably just do gritted teeth, be, like, praying on the way down. It's like, dear God, Emperor, so it's Lucius. This is obviously not the best day, but it's a good day. It's a good day. Don't worry. It's a good day. Uh, if you could spare your servant on the other side of this, that would be super. Because, you know, or not, also super. Everything is good. Uh and then he's just a hurtling through space. Yeah. So um, the pod, uh, as soon as you press the button, launches. So it's the classic, like, oh, shit. Like, you're webbing yourself in as it's um, jettisoning. Uh, immediately, uh, it's just spinning. Like, it's just fucking cartwheeling um, down through space. Um, you can feel the um, uh, the thrusters firing in every direction as this thing tries to... Um, right itself. But if you think about it, for something that's supposed to fire in a vacuum... Uh, it's it's literally just like launching a weird cannonball, um, and you can see other pods kind of uh, launching. But um, as the the view screen, like the the sort of viewport, flashes past you a couple of times, um, you see um, the Gilead's fist just pummel uh, into this dome um, and completely shatter it. And then as the pod begins to right itself. Um, you see a site that uh, you've always considered, hypothetically, because it's the kind of thing that you've always been curious about. Um, but the question was always, in a siege, how would one breach a hive city? And the answer is, you drive an entire ship into it. Um, and you see a site that very few uh, in the Imperium of Man have ever seen. Uh, you see a hive city collapse. And that's when your pod crashes through a bridge uh, and into the ground. Um, A few moments later, uh, Lyric, uh, you rush up to the hovel uh, to see Alto looking at uh, the smoking wreckage of what looks like an escape pod. Um, the bridge that the hovel was hidden under is now a pile of rubble um, kind of cushioning this uh, uh, escape pod. Um, And you see other pods uh, beginning to kind of like hit the ground around you. Meanwhile, behind you, um, there is a a massive kind of blast of of dust and dirt as the hive city begins to implode. Um, You can hear screams, you can hear shooting. Uh, and in the distance, you think you can see small kind of pale white things begin to spill up and over the cracks in the dome. Um, but none of that matters for the moment because Alto is okay. Yeah. Alto, you're intact. Oh, uh, hi, Lyric. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, like I'll, like pat down my chest and like uh, yeah yeah the I robot so. arm is just like also patting yeah, you down yeah 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 all all my bits and pieces are are still with me yeah okay good and you got all the essentials right uh, I I just grabbed my go bag yeah okay good that's that's good you you did what you had to do all right we got to get the fuck out of here 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 makes sense. Are you okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm fine. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Okay, okay. Um, so, um, Alto, you produce the um, uh, map that um, had been stowed away by Kel um, for the two of you, um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, it was pretty much all you were able to grab um, before the hovel was decimated by the, uh, the, the sort of collapsing bridge. Um, there was more to the package, uh, but you managed to get um, a letter and uh, the map, but there was something on a chain um, that you weren't quite able to get um, that is now well gone. Um, and uh, the map points to uh, something called the astral line. And um, also, this is something that you have hoped was real pretty much your whole life. Um, there was always talk that um, uh, the great architect Galen um, was planning a, a series of interconnected colonies uh, that would be connected by something called the Astral Line. Um, it was a way for colonists to travel between the planets uh, without having to brave the, the perils of the warp. Um, through a series of essentially rail-launched ships. So think like, mm-hmm. a, like a rail cannon um, with a, a ship attached to it. So less need for um, fuel. Um, it was a, an easier way to get off planet. Um, and if true, this could be a way for, um, for you and Lyric to get off world. Um, do you think, uh, I don't know how sentimental Alto is, would you read this letter or would you read it for information? Or he would you read it, it as... Hmm? Yeah, oh yeah, he would read it, yeah. Cool. Um, definitely, if it's something that Kel left, that's, um, and it's like new, like it's it's like Kel's been gone so long and here's this letter from yeah. her, like that's amazing. Um, so uh, it just says, um, well, hey kids, if you're reading this, I'm probably pretty fucking dead. And I gotta tell you, I'm not mad when I'm writing this, but I'm probably mad now. Because being dead is for fucking losers. And I'm just I'm over, not I'm over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. I'm over his shoulder being like, God, she was so long-winded. <laughs> um, she's like, uh, if I know Lyric, she's bitching about how long this letter is. <laughs> Alto, you'd be a good boy and tell her to shut the fuck up because I'm dead and she's got to listen to me. I'll wait. Uh, uh, Lyric, Kel says I have to tell you to shut the fuck up. Yeah, so no, sh- I'm shut re- the fuck up. Kel told me that I'm allowed to say it. So Yeah, thanks, kiddo. So Keep reading. Shut, the fu- sh- shut up, Lyric. You sure that went over real good. So uh, <laughs> listen, um, if you're if you're at the second location, that means things went real tits up, and uh, I'm sorry I'm not there to help you, but uh, I did uh, I did leave something for you just just in case. Uh, as you probably determined uh, from looking at this here map uh, that I painstakingly hand drew lyric, um, <gasps> I love you. Uh, there's uh, there is a way off this hellhole, but. Uh, Gotta tell you, I've been from one side of this galaxy to the other, and there's not much better out there. So only, only go if you you really gotta. Um, I told your sister this, uh, but I, I didn't tell either of you. Um, I uh, I came by my skills not uh, not growing up as hive rats like like you two clowns, but uh, you know, I served under an inquisitor uh, back in the day, and we we uh, 
Traveled around a bit, and uh, we saw some things, and I gotta tell you, it's a big fucking scary galaxy out there, and it is worse than you can possibly imagine. But if things have gotten bad here, then you gotta go. Um, the Astral Line was uh, meant to be a way for uh, agents of the Inquisition to get planet to planet uh, without anyone paying too much notice. Uh, old Galen was quite nice uh, to uh, us inquisitory folk, uh, and luckily I still got my credentials. So... If you use the uh, the icon I left you there on my, my precious icon chain, it's also got a Hello Kitty on it, which is something I found throughout the galaxy. It's a little cat uh, who likes to say hello. It's very adorable. In any case, this will get you in there, uh, and after that, it's up to you. Galaxy's yours, kids. Go fuck them up. And, and uh, Alto's, like, turning over the envelope and, like, checking the back of the paper, being like, I, we didn't get... We didn't get her Inquisitor symbol. We didn't get the Hello Kitty thing. You, was it... Was it just th- points to the rubbles. Like, In classic comedic fashion, like a metal pipe just embarrassingly falls off and bounces off the rubble and rolls down, yeah. further implying how broken it is. Um, I just put like my hands to my head. I'm like, well, then what the fuck use is this to us? We can probably still get... Get there and, and, and maybe get on board. I could probably get us on. Can you? Well, then let's go. Um, okay. Lyric, you hear um, a, a sound that Kel had described to you uh, a, a number of times. Uh, and looking over your shoulder, uh, uh, I don't know if you watched the X-Files, but uh, uh, if you saw the uh, the infamous Fluke Man uh, episode, it's, uh, it's that kind of thing. It's like a, a cross between a, uh, a leech and a human. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, the face is mostly teeth. Um, the legs, uh, seem to have kind of withered, uh, to a point that they're no longer usable, but the arms are long with multi-articulated fingers. Um, and you hear one of these things hissing behind you and behind it, you see more, um, and uh, as, again, the, the wind blows across your, your face, um, you realize that uh, what everyone spent so long trying to keep outside uh, is now inside. And as you sort of fall into a combat stance, uh, you see these things kind of coming up over the wreckage um, around you in all directions. Um, and that's when you hear uh, the, the roar um, of a chainsword. And dragging himself out of the escape pod with Eugene under his arm uh, is Inquisitor Valentine. Valentine, you see um, a couple of weird hive dwellers um, and what seem to be a a bunch of kind of mutant monstrosities. They don't look chaos necessarily. They look more radiation-y to your eye. But um, still a threat and still very present. Uh, good news is uh, you just heard them bicker pretty hard about a way off this planet. <laughs> and uh, as you, uh, in the brief moments you were blacked out, um, standing back in the throne room, um, you managed to, to see something. And you get the sense that now, whenever you dream, you'll, more of this dark vision will be revealed. Um, but um, on the, uh, the, the uh, woman dressed in robes, um, you're able to catch just the corner uh, of a tablet as a servitor skull scanned it with, with light. Um, the date is exactly one year from today, which means you have exactly one year to find these 10 conspirators and put an end 
to the blasphemy that will destroy the Imperium. Unfortunately, your crew is dead. You haven't been an Inquisitor for very long, <laughs> pretty much since right before you got on this ship. And the second thing you saw in the darkness was a very distinctive inquisitorial badge hanging around this woman's neck. So you're kind of in need of allies. And as luck would have it, it seems your prayers are answered. Because here are two, and they need your help. Turns out, Inquisitor Valentine, you were right. It is a good day. What do you say to them? Congratulations. You're both under the employ of the Inquisition. Let's kill these mutants. <laughs> and though they didn't know it at the time, Imperial records would later show that this moment, this specific moment, this meeting of these three people, was the beginning of the infamous Valentine Heresy. This episode of the Valentine Heresy features Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Olto, Laura Elizabeth at EL Hamstring on Twitter as Lyric, and our game master Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited by Ryan LaPlante, and the Valentine Heresy's show logo was created by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. That's MRKR. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, provided by freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, and most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Olin Anderson, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you.